Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, January 4th. I'm Hannah Floor. The Alaska State Capitol received emailed bomb threats yesterday, believed to be related to a rash of similar threats reported across the country, police and Capitol officials say. Juneau Police Department Deputy Chief Craig Campbell says his department is working with the FBI to assess the threat. So it sounds like uh, state capitals and universities and other large entities around the country are being flooded with emailed bomb threats today. Uh, We did get one at the state capitol. The head of the agency overseeing Alaska's state capitol operations, Jessica Geary, said in an email that threatening messages were received in Legislative Information Office inboxes for Anchorage, Cordova, and Bethel. Geary said security officers searched the Capitol building and determined there was no active threat. She said she referred the matter to the FBI and local police. Juno police said on social media that a downtown church is also received a bomb threat on Wednesday. Campbell said, says police do not believe there is a specific threat in Juneau, but is working with the property owner to co- coordinate any necessary response. Campbell said he was not aware of any motive for the threat. NPR reported Wednesday that state capitol buildings in Georgia, Michigan, Mississippi, and several other states were evacuated after receiving similar threats. The FBI, in a statement to NPR, said it was, quote, aware of the numerous hoax incidents wherein a bomb threat at a state capitol building is made. The FBI statement said it, quote, had no information to indicate a specific and credible threat and said the agency would continue to work with law enforcement agencies to collect information and respond. After over a year of consideration, the Alaska Supreme Court has sided with the state in a lawsuit over the management of the Sacro herring fishery in Sitka. The five-justice panel upheld a 2021 ruling by a Superior Court judge who denied a claim by the Sitka Tribe of Alaska the Department of Fish and Game Managers had violated the state constitution. Catherine Rose reports from Sitka. The Sitka Tribe of Alaska first sued the state in 2018, alleging that the commercial fishery management put herring stocks and traditional harvesting in jeopardy. After winning on statutory and regulatory claims, STA argued that the Alaska Department of Fish and Game had a constitutional obligation to provide the best available information, which it failed to do when it did not provide an independent scientific report to the Alaska Board of Fisheries. The report recommended a number of improvements for the method the department uses to estimate fish in Sitka Sound. The state countered that the report was highly technical and would not have been directly relevant for the Board of Fish in its decision-making. In 2021, Juneau Superior Court Judge Daniel Shalley determined that the state hadn't broken any constitutional rules by not providing the report, as there was no requirement in the Sustained Yield Clause of the state's constitution for the state to provide the best available information. STA appealed the decision before the Supreme Court in December of 2022. In a 23-page opinion issued on December 29th, the court upheld Judge Shalley's decision to deny STA's constitutional claim. Law already requires agencies to provide all relevant information in resource management issues, and by not releasing the report to the Board of Fish, the court said the Department of Fish and Game was exercising its own discretion. The court also denied STA's request for a preliminary injunction under the public interest and upheld Judge Shalley's decision to deny the tribe's attorney fees for its earlier claims. 
In a press release, Tribal Council Chair Lawrence Woody Widmark responded to the ruling, saying, quote, while we are disappointed that the Supreme Court did not agree that the Alaska Constitution requires the state to use the best available information in fisheries management, the tribe's litigation still resulted in substantial improvements in management of the commercial sacro herring fishery in Sitka Sound. Widmark continued, and while we will not receive attorney fees, we do not regret using our resources to defend the tribe's sovereignty over natural resources in our traditional territory. Our people have stewarded and protected the yaw herring since time immemorial, and we will continue to do so. In a press release from the Alaska Department of Law, Attorney General Treg Taylor applauded the court's decision, and ADF&G Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang wrote that the department takes its constitutional mandate to manage consistent with sustained yield principle as its cornerstone. It's refreshing to see the courts recognize us for those efforts, Vincent Lang said. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. And Alaska's newest Supreme Court Justice Jude Pate, who is from Sitka and is a former public defender and tribal attorney, was not on the court when the case was argued a year ago. You can find a link to the full 23-page opinion from the Alaska Supreme Court at kcaw.org. Volunteers gathered on a small triangle of land between Petersburg's Dark Dog Park and Sandy Beach Recreation Area on New Year's Day. A sign tied to some trees announced, Petersburg Bike Park. They were there for the second annual Petersburg Bike Park work party and barbecue, one year after ground was broken on the project. KFSK went to the work party and has this audio postcard. I'm Michael Turek, and I'm here at the Bike Park uh, Volunteer Day. It's, it's actually my first time volunteering for them, but I've done a lot of trail work in the past. And I brought my son, Farron, and we were trying to take out stobs, actually, so uh, that when the rock settles, that we won't pop our tire. What's a stop? Uh, just like a poking up stick of any kind. A lot of blueberries will, will do this to you. Cut the blueberries down over time. They'll start to work back up through the trail. And they'll be sharp on top, and that's no fun for the bike tires. Just really grateful that these guys are putting this together and making it happen. Tell her how old you are and who you are. Farron. Farron who? Try it. Say, I'm Farron Truex and I'm six. I'm Farron Truex and I'm... Five. Five. <laughs> um, my name's Andy Mihai and I'm 11, 12. I'm Tyler Warren and I'm 14. Um, we were like spreading out gravel and we there was a machine that was laying the gravel and we were just spreading it out and evening it out. We definitely love helping and just loving to work and stuff, but um, we also just had um, extra time and we figured that we could come here and help and we'll probably be riding it. I'm really excited to see the finished product and ride the trails. Hello, my name is Brian Richards and I am volunteering to help build this uh, Petersburg bike path. Um, I got roped into operating um, that's a joke. I actually like operating and it's awesome to be here. So I am in a mini excavator. I am uh, playing in the rocks like a kid. Uh, so yeah, I'm just uh, spreading rock and filling wheelbarrows and motorized wheelbarrows so that the crew can hand shovel and um, rake this gravel out to make an awesome bike path. Multiple bike paths really. If you can kind of imagine just a couple of some trees cut down and just riding a bike almost through the forest with uh, 
rock underneath you and, and muskeg and roots and trees and blueberry branches to the sides of you. And along the bike path is really cool jumps and um, obstacles and so it's not just a flat course. Um, and there's a grade to it so once this thing is complete coming off the highway it'll actually be somewhat of a drop-in so you'll start higher up in elevation so you can gain speed so it should be a really at, at times fast and fun course with jumps and just a bunch of cool stuff so <laughs> with you guys feel quick you're too hungry to wait well uh can we walk and talk <laughs> my name is pat blair and i am the president of the friends of the petersburg bike park um we've already put in quite a bit of trail and a lot of the guys who aren't actually building trail are smoothing trail we're using equipment that leaves ruts in the trail which are hard to ride a bike on and so a lot of the guys are doing manual labor to take these ruts out I'm Janine Sicard, and I'm Pat Blair's partner, and I'm here to support the Petersburg Bike Park. It's Pat's baby, but I'm helping, and I spent my New Year's Eve cooking. Just want to support the community and develop this um, wonderful idea for another recreational site here in Petersburg. This is overwhelming how many people have come out. So it's, it's great to um, provide um, food for them, and especially when they're working so hard over there making the bike paths. Nearly 20 volunteers put in hours of labor during the work party. Petersburg IGA donated the hot dogs for the barbecue lunch. The Petersburg Bike Park is the result of a collaboration between the nonprofit Friends of the Petersburg Bike Park and Rock and Road Construction, which has donated, among other things, dozens of truckloads of rock, equipment, and fuel to the worksite. The park is under the control of Petersburg's Parks and Recreation Department and is on borough land. Pat Blair says the trails should be rideable soon, and the project will likely be fully complete by the end of summer. There will be an election rematch next year for the Southern Southeast seat in the State House of Representatives. This month, Republican Jeremy Bynum filed to run for the District 1 seat, currently held by Ketchikan Independent Representative Dan Ortiz. Bynum is the manager of Ketchikan Public Utilities Electric Division. He is originally from Oregon and moved to Ketchikan in 2016. He ran as a Republican against the unaffiliated incumbent Ortiz for the same state House seat back in 2022 and lost by a narrow margin, a little under 350 votes. Bynum is direct about his alignment with what he calls Republican values. I think that uh, just because you got an R next to your name doesn't mean you're not able to work with other people. I think that uh, it's really about creating relationships and uh, being open to ideas. And uh, having a party affiliation doesn't prevent that from happening in my mind. And I know that with the polarization of politics in the, the last eight years or so, that that the idea of being in a party affiliation is a bad thing. And I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as an opportunity to align with a set of ideals. Bynum also currently serves on the Ketchikan Borough Assembly. He was re-elected to another three-year term on the Assembly in October. If sworn in, Bynum would have to resign from the Assembly. 
He says he would likely have to do the same for his role at the public utility. The candidate says he is passionate about improving funding for the Alaska Marine Highway and state education systems, both of which he says are in crisis. Bynum shares a focus on ferries and education with incumbent Representative Dan Ortiz, who retired from teaching at Ketchikan High School in 2014. Fisheries, housing, and renewable energies are also areas of focus in Bynum's campaign. Alaska is situated to be a leader in uh, renewables, specifically water power, and that would be in the form of hydropower and tidal energy in the United States, and if not just the United States, the world. And so when I look into our future, you know, we've we've built success in Alaska based off of our oil and gas assets and some of our mining. Uh, I think that this asset that we have available to us in the form of water power is a tremendous asset. When asked why he thinks he is the right person for the job, Bynum says Alaska is facing many challenges and he believes he has a diverse background in problem solving. And I don't want to take anything away from our current representation and what they've tried to uh, accomplish for District 1. I just say that I come from a different background. I have different world experiences and uh, I approach things in a little bit of a different manner. Rand Echohawk, a fellow borough assembly member, announced his intent to run for the House seat back in August, but as of December 19th, had not officially filed for candidacy. The Alaska Heritage Institute is seeking Alaska Native artists to pitch designs for celebration, the every-other-year gathering of indigenous people in southeast Alaska. The multi-day event takes place in early June. SHI President Kahani Rosita Worrell says this year's theme is Together We Live in Balance, and designs should depict that using Northwest Coast-style art. We need to have both social and spiritual balance to maintain a healthy society. Worrell says balance is an important belief in Tlingit culture that goes back thousands of years. An example of that can be seen with the Tlingit moieties of raven and eagle, she says even today it's essential that a balance is struck between the moieties during gatherings. When we have someone from a raven clan speak, we have to have balance. To, and so an eagle has to respond. If we don't do that, our belief is that you know the spirits can go wandering and cause harm. World says SHI is asking artists to encapsulate that balance, not only between Alaska Native peoples, but also in the natural world around Juneau. The sketches of proposed concepts are due January 12th, and artists can apply online. The winning artist will receive a cash award, and their work will be featured on all celebration materials. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.